welcome you sexy goddess to the sweetest little life. I am your host, Courtney Hansen. I'm an author, yogi, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist specializing in trauma. My passion is to bring you wisdom each week with amazing guests to spark integration of all parts of yourself, to nurture your spirit, stimulate the mind, and love your body just a little bit more with each episode that drops. If you love this podcast and want more amazing resources for spiritual growth and holistic healing, make sure to download our app, The Sweetest Little Life, or head to the website, thesweetestlittlelife.com. Grab your favorite cup of tea or throw on your yoga pants and head for a walk while we hang out for the next 30 minutes of Soul to Soul Connection. Hello and happy Thursday. I am so excited for today's guest. I have been waiting to speak with Corby for over a month now and you are in for such a treat. I've seen a theme lately of transformation throughout people that I've come into contact with and everyone it seems to be in the midst of this huge stripping of their old skin and stepping into this new way of living and this growth and it's beautiful but it's messy. And Corby shed some light that not a lot of people think of this perspective, and I love it. It inspired me, and I'm sure it will inspire you a little bit about Corby. She has been a mystic's path for almost 50 years. This woman has experience. She's meeting challenges, always questioning, and leading the examined life. This road has illuminated a cosmic truth for her, and God gives us all what we need for a life filled with miracles and joy, as long as our hearts are open whole and aligned with our source energy. Anything is possible. And I mean anything. Corby is a psychic channel and medium. and She's been reading since 1973, you guys. She's traveled coast to coast and into Canada and is a full-time intuitive counselor now and has appeared frequently on radio and television and is an inspirational teacher and facilitator. She's featured on all types of different things that we're going to include in the show notes. And she is just a bundle of fire. I'm so excited for you to meet her. Without further ado, let's welcome Corby to the show. Corby, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome to The Sweetest Little Life. How are you? Rocking and rolling in upstate New York. It is still, summer is hanging on by teeth and toenails, but we're beginning to get a few turning leaves and the apples are looking really good in the orchards. Here yesterday. Oh, honey pie. Where is here for you? In California. I didn't. No, no. Come visit us in the Catskills. It's still normal weather. Yeah, just slowly melting. Mm-hmm. So today, I am so excited. One, I've been looking forward to this for over a month. Um, really excited for everything you're going to drop today. But I love stories. I love hearing really how you stepped into your dharma and what makes you you. So would you mind sharing, however short or long you want, about your journey thus far and what got you stepping into your gifts? Oh, well, <laughs> that's what I call my 30-second elevator speech because it's very often asked. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary, or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973, when I was a senior in high school. And yes, my darlings, that tells you how old I am. Um, That was the year that Live and Let Die came out with Jane Seymour. 
as Solitaire, the card reader. And Spencer Gifts had the James Bond 007 tarot deck. And I bought it because <laughs> we were all hippies then. You had your elephant pill bottoms and your David Crosby fringe jacket and your deck. Now, five <laughs> years later, everybody else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls. Not me. I love the cards. I love the stories they told. So for 20 years, I read for friends, making sure that I could be a clear channel for the information and I'd keep my ego out of the way. Then all of a sudden in the 1990s, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training, which was the universe handing me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for us. Okay, fine. Meanwhile, I had a very checkered career, actress, author, inspirational speaker, video producer, legal assistant, executive recruiter, writer for the graphic novel series ElfQuest, but always the psychic work on the side until 9-11. As my mm. husband and I watched the towers burn, I looked at him and I said, I need to do the psychic work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So for one more year, I still did corporate, 70 hours a week, psychic work evenings and weekends. And after that, closed the door on corporate and never looked back. And since then, it's six days a week, 14 hours a day. I read about a thousand people a year and I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. That's the biggest gift. Wow. That's incredible. I had no idea that, uh, that just, just the amount of time that you've been reading is insane. So how, how did that happen, that experience? You said that you could lay hands on people and talk to dead people. Like, where did mediumship come into that? What was the, because was that scary? Was that like, oh, hell yes, I'm in it? Well, the thing is, I don't, just go fishing. You know, I see a woman in a flower dress handing you roads. It's grandma. Oh, please. Can I vomit now? I am so not that. Um, talking to dead people, frankly, happened when a lot of people who were in my life two lives ago started coming through and chatting with me. And these were historical people. And I would have these chats and then I would go and I would check what we talked about and everything was bang on solid. And from there, I moved to working with other people who needed to talk to their folks who were across, across the way. Mm, okay. So I, I, it's interesting. Is their stories are all so unique and different on how that first experience flows, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm always very intrigued. Well, I know that karma is such a trendy word, and I would love to talk about what karma really is, how we live by that. What does it look like? Bring all okay, the well, for the, um, the first thing is karma is not carrot and stick. You were a good person, so you get a nice life. You were terrible, so God's going to stick on you like the Monty Python foot goes squish. <laughs> No, it is not like that. Karma is five things. Healing, service, contrast, unbalanced energy and healing of beliefs with a lot of subsets, which uh, Robert Schwartz calls the divine virtues. Um, this is work that I did with him in his books on pre-birth planning and life between lives. Your soul's playing your soul's gift and your soul's love. When we understand that even 
the stuff we hate that we're going through has a purpose and we can grow from it, we can handle it a lot better. Mm. All right, that's what I call living the examined life. Let's use my example. Um, in this life, I came in uh, healing of beliefs. Part of it is women are worth more than their bodies. And um, they need to be treated a certain kinder way. Most my lives, I mean, 80% have been male, from what I understand. And I'm not the greatest male when I'm there. So I do my tough stuff when I'm in the female form. So this life, I was born with a the tendency for a Dolly Parton figure in puberty. I mean, by the time I was 11, stick a brunette wig on me and Dolly would have a twin. And that's hard, early, early teenage. Oh, yeah. Um, and I had a mother who was an alcoholic, cross-addicted with barbiturates, a lot of self-loathing, and very jealous. And so there was an incident that happened when I was 16. The details don't matter. But she set it up so that I would have what I call the trip trigger in my life and a choice of where to go. I could either believe what she said about me or not. If I didn't, I'd stay, oh yeah, I'll show you. I'm still a virgin. I'll stay a virgin until I'm married and stay married. Instead, I believed everything she told me, which was, um, I don't deserve my virginity. I am, a, I am just born a slut. I can't say no to anybody. It's not permitted. And that set up my life um, in a certain direction. Mm. Now, um, because of that, which means I wasn't learning what I needed to learn. My higher self, my soul had set it up so that I would deal with cancer. First bout was um, ductal carcinoma in situ, which means hadn't gone anywhere, bought its bathing suit. It was just there. So I had four lumpectomies and radiation while I was acting in New York. And I was in my mid thirties. Got in 2000, Paget, which is a skin cancer from the radiation that I got then. Okay. So they were scarred, they were in the shape, and they were still there. Finally married the right guy, but apparently had not learned sufficiently what I needed to learn. And my higher self and my guide said, look, we need you down there to teach, so we're going to remove the problem. How'd they do that? Second primary, which turns the danger clock back to zero, but the doctors at Mass General said, okay, three strikes, you're out. We're taking the rack, we're taking the ovaries, and you're going from a Dolly Parton figure with a libido of a 17-year-old boy to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects, and we're going to damage you so much internally, you'll never have sex again. Three weeks, suck it up. And I had just been married 18 months before to the right guy. Now, did I go home and cry? Yes, I'm normal. But I immediately knew, living the examined life, I had to find the lesson and three reasons to be okay with it. I didn't care how stupid they were. So the first one was you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. Number two, the top half was not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's anymore. And every woman listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. With that. <laughs> three. Um, implants. Cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. Got out of Mass General in three days, shopped for a bathing suit in five. That was 19 years ago. And I'm still married to the same guy because I got it right this time. His comment was, am I going to miss them? Oh, yeah, they were gorgeous, but I married you, not them. Did it totally trash the life we thought we were going to have and give us one that was much harder and needed a lot more work? Yes. 
But both of us have grown. Both of us are still in love. And at the end of this life, I think that I will have successfully walked that karma road so that I will not have to come back and do it again. Mm. Now, oh, so many questions. That diagnosis, was there like, was there a history? Did it come out of nowhere? What was that like for you? Came out of nowhere. Um, There was no, you know, did my mother have cancer? Yeah, but she was a four pack a day smoker and an alcoholic. So she had lung cancer. She died of a heart attack at age 59. Um, But the rest of the family, no, nothing. Nothing. Wow. And I I can't wait to post your pictures because you are just this radiant angel walking who's gorgeous and stunning and happy. Because when you you hear someone talk. couple of things on that. Number one, great kudos to Dino Petricelli, who is the best headshot photographer I've ever had. And two, the magic words are no children. Takes 10 years off your looks right there. So I cheated. Oh, gosh. So question on that, actually. Um, Is it true that with karma, I have heard this several times, if you choose not to have children in this lifetime, it is because you've had more lifetimes? Or is that just something that has some human has made up along the way? (laughs) Uh, well, I'm never going to diss anyone I've never met, but the reason that I chose not to have children, two things, um, actually three. The first is my soul knew that I would be spending a lot of time working on me this lifetime. So I was basically born without the mommy gene. Second, um, my immediately previous life, I had an illegitimate child who died in childbirth. I was very upset. I talked to the nuns who were running the Catholic hospital in Chicago, where I was. And when I got childbed fever, sepsis, they decided that, well, that was just God's um, punishment. And so I died in filth, agony, and pain alone because they did that kind of judgment. So obviously, in order to heal that, no kids this time. The other thing is when I was 13, 1968, before any of this really took root, I had a gut knowing if I have children, they will not be able to live out a normal lifespan. And so at age 13, I decided I'd never have them. Hmm. And looking at climate change and the chaos now, I may have known something at 13, at least for kids around me. So that's why no kids for me. Oh, wow. I think it's interesting how as a child, we just talking to my husband about this last week um when I was I don't know 12 or 13 I had this little journal and it like had my life plan in it right so like when I would get a house and when I would get married and I'm you know Pisces Cancer very like house family all the things Mm -hmm. and um it was it named it like the ages of when I would have my children I am not shitting you every single age I had a baby on that age that I wrote down in this journal when I was 12 years old there you go. It's just it's crazy to look back on. Sometimes we know, and when we're kids, we don't have the, oh, you can't know, steamrolled into our brains yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you advise? I mean, there, there's a lot of people who are 
has now noticed a theme the past few years of people really stepping into their gifts and stepping into these beautiful transitions and transitions are hard as hell. Like they're not an easy thing to what would your advice be for people, tools, whatever tips you have on being able transitions? I noticed you said you had picked something, three things that you were grateful for through what you went through. Yeah. Um, realize that what doesn't change dies. Okay. We are meant to change and grow. Um, when I talk about the examined life, something's happening to me and I don't want it, but it has to happen. The first thing I do is pick, what, what am I learning from this? Second, because I'm me, how do I teach with it? But then I say, next, you cannot stay stuck in your story. I can't tell you, drives me crazy. There's, you know, a woman had colon cancer 15 years ago and she walks up and says, hi, my name is Mary Sue and I'm a cancer survivor. That was 15 years ago. In 1973, I was the Betty Crocker homemaker of tomorrow for New Jersey. I won the scholarship, went to Washington, but I'm not that person now, so I don't talk about her. I look at who I am now, how I've grown, what I have surmounted, what I've embraced as part of really me. You can either run away from change or toward it, but if you run toward change, you can dance with it. You run away from it, going to trip you're going to fall on your butt yeah when we are in the midst of owning something and stepping away from an idea with people mm -hmm. how do you because i you said that cancer thing and i said... know so many people who have 20 years ago had cancer and still introduce themselves as i'm so and so i'm a breast cancer survivor or, i'm a this survivor i'm a warrior or, i'm this and that's not who they are anymore. So how would you step away from that identity? I would look at them and I'd say, that was 20 years ago. I want to know, who are you today? Don't reference that. Look at who you are today. Who are you today? What are you proud of today? What have you learned since? I call them on it. Um, I am not what you call, what I call, the glurpy purple with angels kind of reader. Hi, my name is Little Dancing Raccoon and here's my spirit guide, Arctic Bear. I'm sorry, they made, forget it. <laughs> I, I am not a Magnolia, my darlings, I'm a bagel. I'm right up here. And so I will, with compassion and delight with the idea that we can make change, I will not let you get away from that. I will call you on your stupids. Not because I'm, thinking I'm so much better and see my aura don't stink. But because been there, done that, I have not, I mean, you're talking to someone who is 68, who has gone through the three bouts of breast cancer, two divorces, the death of my parents, rape, poverty, and abuse. I have had to learn who I am at core of all of that. It means that I will not judge you for what you've had to go through. It means I will have very deep compassion but I will not allow you to stay a professional victim. Not my wheelhouse, kids. I want you to grow. And if you come to me, then there's a part of you that wants the same thing. Oh, I need to get a reading with you. <laughs> I love that. the rawness. You don't really, it's, it's difficult to find people who aren't having an Arctic fox as their 
Um, you know, if I can be a little egotistical, I have to admit, there I have never met any psychic anything like me. They are either my aura don't stink, high vibe, um, I'm your guru and you can listen to me and, and learn and be wonderful or not. Or the Madam Hoo-Ha's and the Swami Swalandas of the world, you know, you have a family curse. How many in your family? Four, you have both. Um, I ju- I'm just not there. I love what I get to do, but I, I am almost more like your celestial drill sergeant because <laughs> if I'm rough on you, it's because I see what you can be. You will not disappoint me if you don't get there because I don't judge where you go. But I see that and I offer you the chance to find it. Yeah. Very different. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we're coming up on time and I really want to touch on all of your books too. I know it goes so fast. It's insane. And so So. the books you have, so you three, right? Three. Three. Okay. Doing really fast. The first one is clean out your life closet, clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress. But I don't tell you do everything I do and it all gets better. You write that book with me. Because when you're in charge of your changes, all possibilities are yours as well. You'll find questions at the back of each chapter that you get to answer from your own life experience, not turning to page 82. Second book, um, my, I admit my favorite child, The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys. That's where the idea that good psychic guidance is art and you shouldn't settle for a forgery. It basically helps you. It's sharp and it's clear and it's full of practical information. If you're intrigued by the idea of using psychic guidance but don't know where to start, it doesn't tell you how to be a psychic, but it tells you how to find a good one, ask the right questions, use the info. And if you are nuts enough to want to do what I do too, the uh, brand new revised version of You've Got the Magic Who Needs a Genie has just come out. That is everything that I learned from being on the road for Psychic Expos, 18 years, 45 weekends a year on the road. My nickname was the Travel Channel. But at 68, I'm off the roads, kids. It's your turn. Here, take everything I've learned. Make it happen. Wow. You were on the road. So you just traveled Mm -hmm. with your husband all over. Oh, no. No, he was a museum director for an eight-building Revolutionary War site. I was the one that traveled every weekend. And I went from Boston to Detroit, uh, into Canada, down to Tidewater, Virginia. It's just wherever I, I could go. But I loved it. I mean, being a Hilton Diamond, you walk in and they do the Wayne's World. We're not worthy. That's fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, I got a back injury um, this summer of 2019 because the universe wanted me off the road. And they were right because as soon as I got everything online, what happened? But the years of murder, hornet, bingo, and hold my beer. I had my business online. I could stay home during COVID. Everyone who just did psychic fairs, they had problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. Another example of it's not bad karma. It's the universe saying, uh, if you're going to listen to us, we're going to make sure you're going to listen to us. And I'm fine now, but I like not being on the road. You and your husband now have a past life connection? 
or is this your first life um, together? I think this is our first life together. Um, we are soulmates, not twin flames. Soulmates are your core team. You don't always marry them. But um, I didn't really know that he's what I needed until I had him. My first two husbands had been, you know, basically your bad biker boy types. And Carl looks just like Father Mulcahy from MASH. He's kind, he's honest, he's straight up. Um, he, we've been together now for 23 years. Why would I change? He's perfect. Oh, I love that. So if people want to run off of this right now and get a reading with you, how do we book with you? How do we schedule? Where do we find you? And is there a way to connect with you directly if people just have questions for the show or maybe they're walking through something? That... Extra guidance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, frankly, they can't avoid me. Um, <laughs> you can find me on my website, corbymitline.com. It's got hundreds of articles. It's got a whole listing of podcasts. And this one will be on if you want to listen to what I've had to say. It's got uh, two or three dozen different kinds of readings and my calendar. You can also find me on YouTube, uh, Pinterest, Instagram, Medium. And if you want to work with me directly on a class basis, you find me on Patreon. Beautiful. And last thing, I need you to share with the audience what your last name means, because I'm... <laughs> okay. Uh, Corby Midlad is a chosen name. I call it my Elton John name. Corby is Gaelic for raven, because they're my baby birds. And Midlad is German for compassion, to remind me always why I do the work I do. Oh, I love that. And I just honor you. And thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your wisdom with me and the audience. I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It is time to alchemize. I am so excited to announce our next retreat it is happening September 21st through September 25th. And everything is available and up and ready to go for your ticket purchase on our website, www.thesweetestlittlelife.com. This retreat is so special because one, we are holding it in Lake Shasta, which is a sacred spot. We're visiting the vortexes. We're channeling this energy. We're meeting with shamans. We're doing all the things. But to make it even more special, it is the last retreat on our seven stages of alchemy. This retreat is about bringing your trauma all the things that are holding you back in life and alchemizing it into something magical. We are going to cover so much in this retreat. This is about igniting your passion and embracing your purpose. It's about unleashing your personal power and finding your true self, discovering the strength and the wisdom within you and empowering you to trust your own intuition and what that looks like in listening to the intuition versus listening to the ego. It's rediscovering your true identity and embracing your calling and remembering who you truly are and discovering what your purpose is in this lifetime, how to step into that dharma and awaken the inner divinity and receive enlightening guidance. It is so hands-on. This is sacred and special to me, and I hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening to The Sweetest Little Life today. I hope you walk away feeling inspired, feeling a little bit more lighter, a little bit more free than what you were before you hit that play button. 
as always please sharing is caring we love to hear your thoughts we love to get feedback um, guest recommendations all the things and if you're not subscribed hit that little subscribe button before you leave today and until next time we will be hanging out soon